Hello everyone, welcome to Memento the Stoics, I'm Santiago and first I want to announce I started an Instagram account with the same name, at Memento the Stoics, where I share the quotes using this podcast. So go check that out in the show notes and that's how I met today's interview guest, Tobias Weaver from Orion Philosophy, which is an amazing philosophy account on Instagram. So definitely go check that out if you're interested in philosophy in general and just like amazing Stoic quotes. I think you really enjoy it, so go check that out in the show notes. And without further ado, enjoy this interview. So welcome. We're here with Tobias Weaver, and we're gonna talk about what he's doing about stoicism. And hey, Tobias, I just want you to introduce yourself a little bit and tell us what do you do. Yeah, sure. Um, hi guys. So my name's as Santi said. My name's Tobias Weaver. Um, I'm 27 and I live currently in the UK, um, in London. Um, so we're talking today really about, I think, stoicism and, and philosophy. So from my, from my side, I have a, um, a brand called Orion, um, which on Instagram and Facebook, I post quotes and information about philosophy. And that's how, um, Santi and I got in touch. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So. I was, I mean, I found your, your account, but I was looking for other people who were doing something similar to what I was trying to do. And I saw that you've been here for a while. So I just wanted to ask you, like, how long have you been doing uh, the account, uh, the Instagram account and explain a little bit of what do you do there and how, what is it about? Yeah, sure. Um, so it's been going, it's been an idea for a long time, to be honest, but it's only really been going for about, I'd say a year and a half maybe two years. Um, and the reason I did it was I was getting quite frustrated with, um, a lot of the conversations and a lot of the stuff in media, um, which has been coming up recently, I think probably within the last five or 10 years. Um, so I'll, I'll go into why it's called Orion, um, to start with. And the reason I chose the name Orion, so Orion originally, um, was a hunter. Yeah mentioned in in greek literature and um, so he was born as a man he wasn't a god um but he had uh, quite a he didn't really have a normal life he was um he was involved with some of the gods but when he died and mm-hmm. um, zeus lifted him into the heavens where he he's now um, a constellation so the constellation of orion um and i choose the name basically because it's short uh, it's easy to remember i think it's it's quite familiar for people and i like the story of ascent um, so i think it's a good way of looking at our own lives to be honest and how if we choose to um, we can rise ourselves and bring ourselves up um, if we put in a bit of work so that's that's the the reason behind the name um, and I'm, I'm working on a website at the moment to try and make it a bit uh, a bit more prominent and so i can do some blog posts and articles and things like that um, to basically share some of my ideas of some of which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about today. Awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the, sorry, man, go on. No, no, sorry. Uh, yeah. I was going to ask you like this thing about Orion, like is, is a constellation something that you've known for a while, something that was important to you somehow? Like wh- why, why did you choose to name it like that? Um, yeah, I think it was, it was mainly because there was a constellation, which I think people were familiar with and I like space. I think it's, um, I think it's fascinating and physics in general, I think it's fascinating. Um, so it kind of resonated with me, but it was mainly because of that story of ascent. So 
right. when Zeus um, helped. When he died, he lifted him into the heavens. I think that story of how we can we can all um, rise if we choose to, if we put a bit of effort in and have, have a bit of awareness about um, how we live. I think everyone has the potential for that. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so mainly because this is this uh, podcast about stoicism, I want to ask you like both philosophy in general, but specifically stoicism. Like, why is stoicism important to you? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> um, so I don't limit myself to stoicism. Um, and to be honest, I've only really been involved with philosophy for about probably about five years now. Right. Um, so it started for me at university. Um, I studied to be, um, and I am now, uh, a mechanical engineer. Okay. Um, so when I was studying, it was, it was quite a stressful time. Um, and I got into and taught myself meditation. Right. And through meditation, um, I found a really good way of um, being aware of the thoughts and being aware of my thought processes and what was making me stressed and uh, some some of the negative things that are going on in my head. So mm -hmm. um, that was a really good starting point for me. And then from there, um, I read some self-help books. But to be honest, um, one, I don't really like the term self-help because I think it frames yeah, it. I know. Like I people know. need help. So <laughs> I think I, I think the industry could do a change in that. But definitely. Um, I also I also found them not very practical. A lot of it was mm. I don't know. Sometimes I didn't really trust what I was reading, and it seemed a bit like um, quick fixes, and it wasn't it wasn't um, long lasting change. Right. Um, and then through a book called Philosophy for Life and Other Dangerous Situations, I have it around with me somewhere. I think I can't find it at the moment, but um, <laughs> the author I can't remember the author's name, but it's a really really good book. And in there mm -hmm. was basically a summary of different types of Greek philosophy. Awesome. Um, and in there was also my first um, encounter with Stoicism. And I remember reading about Epictetus, and Epictetus is my favorite Stoic. Right, yeah, um, I was going to ask you. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, and we can talk a bit about him and Definitely. why. But um, I remember reading about Epictetus and mm -hmm. his philosophy and the way he thought and the, the frame of reference from which he was thinking. It just... I, I found fascinating and I think stoicism for me, although I don't limit myself to stoicism, right. it's probably my main philosophy. And if I am to tell people or suggest to people what they, um, what they should start with, I'd probably say stoicism mainly because it's, it's very practical. Um, it's straightforward. It, it changes the frame of reference to, um, be, basically be responsible for yourself and not blame things on the world around you. Um, you have things like the dichotomy of control yeah. um, from Epictetus, Epictetus. And I think you've covered that on your podcast before. In the a summary. little bit, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, man. I, I, love, I love what you yeah, said yeah. about like the whole self-help industry. I think it's a pretty kind of like confusing like a way to name it or tag it because it, yeah. like nowadays it covers like that practical philosophy that the Stoics used to talk about or the Greeks or Romans. But... Mm. But yeah, it also gets mixed up with a lot of other things that are not really related to philosophy. So I love what you said about that. And in Stoicism, like, uh, how do you think people can apply Stoicism in this modern life? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> um, I think there's a lot of opportunity for it, to be honest. I think there's loads of opportunity, mainly because um, it's basically, for me, it changes um, how you think about the world around you. And also how you think about yourself in that world. So 
mm-hmm. um, at the moment um, with a lot of things going on in America with um, free speech. And I'm sure you, you're aware of things like people like Jordan Peterson or uh, Sam Harris that are yep. trying to battle this um, mm-hmm. Uh, this wave of people that just get angry at the world and Definitely. they try and silence people and shut people up. Right. And I think a lot of that, um, or at least some of it, comes down to people's expectation of um, happiness. And I think people expect their happiness to come from the world around them. Um, and I think when the world doesn't align with what they expect it to be, uh, they affect it affects their, their, their own happiness. And then the reaction to that is to try and either change the world or get angry at the world, get angry at the people that they may not agree with. Mm. And um, for me, a, a more stoic perspective to this is basically to expect happiness to come within yourself. So it comes from within. Um, so the way you think, your perspectives, rather than coming from the world around you. Um, and based on that, I think that change in mindset it basically um, moves the happiness or satisfaction that you get from life from the outside world, which, um, as Epictetus has, has spoken about, mm-hmm. um, you have very little control over. Um, and then you move that to within yourself. And if you change that perspective and you take responsibility for that um, and you have that happiness and enjoyment for life come from within yourself, um, I think it becomes much more resilient because you have much more control over how you perceive the world. Um, and then the, your well-being isn't reliant upon like, the turbulence and the chaos um, of the outside world. And I think that that's quite powerful. And when people start to apply that to, uh, to their own lives, I think that's probably one of the main, um, the main things people can do to use stoicism. There's, there's many, many, many things. I mean, there's <laughs> books like Marcus Aurelius, uh, Meditations, Meditations, which yeah. is an amazing book. I really high, <laughs> highly recommend anyone Definitely. listening to go and read that. Um, basically, every page, you can take something away Everything from that. Everything, it's amazing. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really good. Um, Seneca, mm-hmm. uh, Letters from a Stoic is, is yeah. similar. Mm-hmm. And um, Epictetus, uh, his handbook and, um, and other, other bits of work that he did. Right. So, there's, there's books on it and books on it, but I think that for me, that I think that's that's a, a really good place to start. Just taking responsibility for how you perceive the world and changing how you think about it, rather than just getting angry at the world. Definitely, it's it's exactly what Epictetus says on, like trying to take responsibility for your part, not blame others, and kind of like uh yeah, they say like the wise man doesn't blame neither himself nor others. Like that's supposed to recently. <laughs> at it yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly but it's, it's precisely that of like assuming your own part and understanding that happiness has to come from within like it's the only place yeah. where it can really come awesome man uh next question was like how would you define a stoicism like how, how would you define it how would i define it yeah <laughs> um yeah i answered a question on reddit and mm-hmm. someone was trying to basically they were basically asking how would you explain in like a sentence or two right exactly and um, my answer basically was it changes um, it changes your perceptions and your perspective of, of life yeah. um, in a way that produces suffering. So that, that was basically my, my summary of it. You can reduce the suffering that you experience just by changing the way that you look at things. And um, there's a quote from um, Epictetus, or Epictetus yeah. and he says it's not 
the things themselves that disturb people, but the mm. judgment, the judgments that they form about them. And I think that's a really good quote. And there's a lot in there, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, you, so you said that Epictetus is your, your favorite one, right? Like, uh, um, yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why, why is that? And like, try to describe like what is the main feature of him that attracts you to him? Yeah, sure. So, for me, um, there's three main three main ones for me. There are, there are plenty of Stoic philosophers, but for me, the main ones are Epictetus, uh, Seneca, and Marcus Aurelius. Yep. Um, but I think I was drawn to Epictetus because the other two, Seneca and Marcus Aurelius, were quite privileged. I think so. Seneca was a very rich man, um, and Marcus Aurelius was an emperor. Um, and although I have huge respect for both of those um, those writers and people, I think Epictetus um, starting off as a slave and basically going from slave to philosopher, um, and the resilience with which he used to do so, I think that just I was I was attracted to that. I think, and if he can do it as a slave in 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 Greece, where <laughs> basically like any, anyone can, well, I say anyone, like your owner has the right to kill you, has the right to beat you, you can get banished, all sorts can happen to you. Your life isn't really your own um, as a slave. I, I don't believe in those times. So right. I think the mindset that he had to cultivate to um, to go from where he was when he died to where he was when he started, I, I thought it gave it a bit of credibility, I think. If he can do that in those circumstances, then I'm sure people in that modern uh, in in the modern world now can get benefit from it. Right. No, it's crazy because, like, uh, yeah, definitely Marcus Aurelius. They always emphasize how he was the most powerful man in earth, and I think he does a great job, like remaining humble. Uh, Seneca, yeah. on the other hand, is kind of like really wealthy as well, and some people judge him for being like too way too much. Uh, money-driven and wealth-driven, but mm -hmm. I think he still finds a way to remain humble somehow. But Epictetus, yeah. like, there's a way to debate the way he was living. Like, he was a slave. They say he was crippled. And it's crazy. I recently finished the, the handbook, the Enchiridion. Um, okay, and, yeah. And it's awesome. It's such a it's such a short, very concise and straight-to-the-point book that I, I, think, I think that could be, like, the main thing that anyone could just, like, jump into that and, and understand what Stoicism is about. Um, yeah, the handbook's really Yeah, good. it's crazy. And, and and he has like the dichotomy of control. Like, uh, how would you describe to that to someone who doesn't know anything about stoicism? Like, what is the dichotomy of control? Um, the dichotomy of control is, is basically um, Epictetus um, outlines fundamentally some things are within your control and some things are not. Um, and he um, explains that the things that are in your control are basically your thinking, um, your perspective, some of your actions, mm -hmm. and outside of your control is almost everything else. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> which is, is, is a really simple rule, but it's quite difficult to um, apply right. to, to everyday life because um, things like the economy, um, other drivers, if you get road rage, um, the weather, like all of these things, and people's opinions of you, the respect that you have, None of it's inside your control. Your health, to a certain extent, you can influence it with diet and exercise, but ultimately your body is going to fail and, and you'll die. But right. things like making that distinction. So when if, if I'm giving people um, advice so on Reddit, I, I'm quite active on the Stoicism Reddit. Um, and one of the things I said um, a few days ago, which got quite a good reception, was someone was asking about anxiety. Mm. And 
I basically said, sit, sit down with a piece of paper, put your phone away <laughs> and put all distractions away because <laughs> phones are difficult to put away in hard And um, basically draw, draw a big circle on an A4 sheet of paper and write down in that circle what's inside your control about any situation that you're feeling anxiety about. Mm. Um, and outside your control will be met so many different things. Um, but I don't think people make that distinction and focus what, so be, what I basically said was be aware of what was outside of the circle, um, just so that you know, it's there and that you have some understanding of it, but don't focus on it because there's nothing you can do about it. Focus on what's inside that circle. Um, and then you'll begin to see, begin to see change. Um, but I think a lot of, um, a lot of negative or not so productive thinking these days comes from people trying to focus on controlling things outside of that circle right. um, and not paying attention to the things that are inside that circle. Um, and I think when, when we begin to make that distinction for ourselves and we spend a bit of time thinking about it, um, we can become much more efficient and effective at solving problems. Right. No, that's crazy. And I, I don't know if you're familiarized with uh, Bill Irvine's trichotomy of control. It's kind of similar to what Epictetus says, but he kind of distinguishes like things outside of our control, within our control, and that we have some control over. I think it's kind of interesting because, at least for me, like trying to make this differentiation that you say, like things that are within your control and outside. Like sometimes in my own head, like I don't know, I've struggled with anxiety as well, or like a lot of overthinking. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think a lot of people who find a stoicism come from somewhere like that because you need kind of <laughs> some form of you know, like a goal somewhere you can like aim to, to be like, but within your own head, like, I don't know what you think about this, but for me, like there are certain recurring thoughts that keep me struggling. And I know it's pretty internal and it's right there. And even then it seems like some thoughts that come to my head are not completely my control. Like it's not, not just because it's within, it's completely my control. Like maybe it's a personality habit or something. And how do you make that distinction between the thoughts that you do control and the things you don't control. What do you think about that? Yeah, sure. I think that's a really important point, yeah. actually. Um, because you're right. There are things... Um, so, I don't know, what, uh, public speaking, for example, yeah. is uh, is difficult for a lot of people, and it's, it's difficult for myself as well. Um, and you get butterflies, you get nervous, your heart rate increases. <laughs> um, and things fly into your head, like, oh, what if I make mistakes? And they to be honest, they might not even be articulated properly. They might not even be words in your head, but a feeling. Um, and those feelings, um, you're right, they're not inside your control. And some of the thoughts will pop into your head. Um, your brain just like plucks them out of thin air. You don't intentionally think about them, but right. they they appear. Um, and they're not always positive. And doubt, I think, um, is similar to this. So a lot of people, when they do things like, for example, what you're doing mm. um, or what I'm doing or what a number of people on social media or making a business, for example, I think there's a lot of doubts that can go into people's heads. Like, oh, what if people don't listen to what I'm saying? What if um, it doesn't go over well? What if, what if it's not needed? What if someone else is doing it better? Like all of these different thoughts. <laughs> yeah, your brain comes up with them. But I think the distinction that I would make there is... Um, you can react. You can decide how you re how you react to them. So for me, it's like being in a in a car. For example, a good analogy I think is in a car. So uh, if if I'm driving and someone cuts me up, mm. um, 
<laughs> I think most of us are still human, so we still, we still get angry at things like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I can feel myself getting angry at things like that. And I, I just take a step back. It's like, yeah, I got angry. Um, right. That wasn't that. That wasn't inside my control. That that just happened. It was a reaction to something. It was a reaction um, from the outside world. I, I got I got pissed off at this guy, um, but I can decide how I continue with that. So yeah. his driving. So if I think I'm going to be, I drive almost every day. Um, I know logically that I'm going to drive every day. I know logically that um, not everyone is a perfect driver. And if I'm driving every day and not everyone is a perfect driver, then logically I will encounter someone that isn't a good driver. So my expectation of driving, so I can control my expectation of driving, for example. So my expectation now is that every now and then someone is going to annoy me on the road. <laughs> so I think when people get annoyed and like their expectation is that people shouldn't do that, they don't have the right to cut people up. Like who do they think they are? To, what, why are they driving like that? Um, <laughs> They shouldn't be driving like that. And that word shouldn't, I think, is quite dangerous because as soon as you start to say you shouldn't be doing that, the world shouldn't be doing this, um, people shouldn't think like that, it, it creates a lot of resistance, I think, because people are going to think differently to everyone. And it's how you respond to those conflicts in thinking that I think you have control over. And I think um, this concept can make you a lot more understanding about um, the world around you and the people within it. No, that's that's amazing. I I was recently uh, reading a bit of "Ego is the Enemy" by Ryan Holiday. I don't know if you know. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's, it's it's super good how he talks about how can someone harm me? Like if um, I mean I'm doing good to other people. Like I'm trying to be kind to other people. How can they still harm me? But it's kind of like the sense of superiority. Like because I kind of understand things in a better way, I tend to assume that people should be reciprocate and and do the same. But like you say. Is exactly this thing. Like I need to be more understanding that some every now and again someone's gonna cut me off. Someone's not gonna be the best they can, and it's kind of trying to be understanding and understand that sometimes the ego is speaking. Like you, you're you're trying to say like this shouldn't happen to me. Like I'm doing the best I can. Uh, how do you think ego gets in the way of our learning of our own improvement as people? <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, and to be honest, I've not really thought too much about it, but. Um, I think if you close yourself, I think if, if your ego becomes too, too big, um, I think you can close yourself off to a lot of things, things like, um, the concept that everyone around you knows something that you don't, I think if you become narcissistic or too egoic, then you close yourself off to learning from other people because maybe there's an opinion that they're not as good as you or you're, you're more, you're superior to them. Um, but it's, it's not true. That's just, I think that's an illusion to be honest. I think everyone has the same rights. Everyone has the same, um, everyone should be, um, or should accept that they have um, the same rights. There's different people who have different fortune. So maybe genetics or your upbringing is, is slightly different. Um, and that's always going to, I think that, that will always be the case. Um, but fortune doesn't dictate inequality. I don't think and it, or it shouldn't dictate inequality. Um, but unfortunately I think in some cases it does, but I think it's the, yeah, with the ego, I think it's the, the, the feeling of superiority, to be honest, I'll have to think a bit about it. Um, I'm sure I can come up with a, <laughs> a better <laughs> answer, good. but it, yeah, it just, it gets in the way of stuff. I think, man, it just, um, 
yeah, it, it closes you off. I think it makes you less tolerant, mm. um, less understanding. Um, yeah, that's it. That's, I think that's the, those, those are the main things for me. Right. No, I, I love what you said and like the, the whole thing of trying to be understanding when someone cuts you off or something like that and you find yourself getting angry about something. I think what Marcus uh, says on like the view from above, like that thing mm -hmm. is very important, like uh, trying to understand how you would see other or how would you see your situation if you were outside of yourself and trying to judge yeah, it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, trying to judge it to, to like, that's not such a big deal. Like, do you think we overreact to a lot of events? Like, what, what do you think on the view from above, especially? Yeah, so I think it's a really good point. Um, and I think it's diff overreaction is difficult, I think, because personally, I think a lot of people overreact to a lot of things. Um, but at the same time, if someone's feeling something, it's for a reason. Um, and I think we could do two things. We can try and understand or try and spend a bit more time and a bit more, put in a bit more effort to understand why people are feeling certain things around us. And also, um, if it is us who is overreacting, um, try and see why we are reacting to um, certain things in certain ways. Because from that view from above, I think you get quite a good um, understanding of the differences between people. Because everyone has different upbringings. We've got different experiences, different teachers, different mentors, different parents, right. different friends groups. We read different books, listen to different podcasts, listen to different music. And all of this stuff. Um, I think starts to create a blueprint of our character um, and it's, I think it begins to create who we are um, and it because of all these different variables and all these different parameters everyone is is unique um, and I think understanding that uniqueness and what goes into making a person's character and a lot of that to be honest isn't even it's not conscious it's not a decision um, it's random and it, it can be based on where you grow up who you grow up with what you grew up around and sometimes those things aren't the most beneficial things for those for some people um, and then you get people that are angry or people that are abusive people that are um, maybe depressed or anxious a lot of the time and it's, it's not it's not really their fault in a way it's um their product of their environment i think and i think if we if we reframe getting annoyed at other people in ways like this we can we can be a bit more understanding of course there are people who do things regardless even though they're told that what they're doing is hurting people they don't really care but um that's, we could probably probably do a whole podcast on that today. <laughs> exactly. and i'm not a psychologist so i yeah I don't have the best <laughs> right no that's awesome um i i was thinking about like how marcus always recommends starting your day with by saying like today i shall find myself with you know he says like selfish people the ill will mm. like insolent people and all of that due to the to the person's ignorance of what's good or evil but it's really exactly. I, i love the code and I, i i do a stoic journal and i try to write that down every morning just to remind myself uh, but it's basically about this thing of understanding that people come from different walks of life like you say and and once you have your past and that has made who you are it's it's already outside your control it's mostly about taking responsibility for what you have now and what you can do With what you have from now on like i think that's both understanding that people come from different places and also like uh understanding that what you can control is the present moment so yeah yeah that, that's really cool and i wanted to ask like uh 
like similarly, like what to think about negative visualization since it's such an important uh, practice for the Stoics. Like how can we make our goals not frustrate us or try to avoid a bit of disappointment? Like what? How how would you explain the negative visualization practice? Yeah, I think I think that's a really good question as well. Um, because I know that it's, um, as you say, it's, it's quite an important stoic, stoic practice to visualize anything, any eventuality, um, including the negative ones. And for me, I think the, the benefit comes from visualizing worst case scenarios and realizing that in a lot of ways, when, if we think about it, a worst case scenario is still manageable we can still deal deal with the repercussions of a worst case scenario yeah. so i think it eliminates some of the anxiety and tension and stress that can come about um, overthinking things and trying to resist um these negative things occurring in our life because I, I think a lot of people don't do things and a lot of people um close themselves off to certain things because uh, the fear the fear of failure for example is a good one but once you realize that you do fail and if you do fail, you will probably learn something from it um, and then compound failure. So failure upon failure upon failure will get you to a place eventually where you will be better at the thing that you're doing. So for example, um, for the past um, for the past couple of years, I've been doing um, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Okay. Um, nice. And part of that is, yeah, at the start you go in right. and you, like you will tap. People, people will tap you. Um, you're gonna get you're gonna get a bit up in the first six months, right. but it's fine because it's part of it. It's, it's part of that learning. Like you'll go, you go to the mats, you'll spar. Someone will get you. You'll tap. You'll start again, and it's and you won't get to the same level as you would if you didn't do the sparring. Right. So that sparring and that knowledge that you know that you will fail. But the failures and those failures adding up on top of each other, you fail, I don't know, 20 times, 30 times, 40 times, 50 times. Right. Every single time you fail, you learn something from it. And then you, you start to um, you start to develop the skills where maybe you don't fail so much anymore. Um, but that anything you start, you're not going to be perfect. At, otherwise, there's no reason to learn it. Um, so yeah, negative visualization. I think it, it's really important to try and look at look at what you're doing. If you're nervous about it, if you're anxious about it, try and think about the worst case scenario. So maybe uh, I don't know. You get up to do a presentation, yeah. and it's not very good. Um, you're stuttering. You're nervous. You forget some of the lines. Maybe some of the slides don't work. Yeah. Whatever it is, and the worst thing that's going to happen is people go, "Oh, that wasn't very good." But the people aren't going to hate you. They're not going to, they probably won't boo you. Hope they boo you. Um, but then you you go and you, you try again. You get better. Maybe you get some practice, right. and you'll be better than what you would have been if you if that presentation had gone well. Um, so it's, it's things like this. I think it's um, it's, it's very useful. And then when you do visualize the negative, you get a lot of lessons from it, and then you can work on those lessons. And that that's part of what's inside your control. I think um, you can use the failures um you can take responsibility for them accept them as part of trying anything new and then you can work towards improving um, on the points where you're not so good on those weak points all right no that's amazing i love how you 
related it to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Like that's why I think that's why I think stoicism is such an important philosophy because it really applies in anything you do. Yeah, um, and you can apply it to almost everything. <laughs> yeah, there's like an analogy everywhere or a metaphor. So I love that. And I also liked how, how you said that negative visualization also helps you like realize uh, what's in your control and what's not. And to, as, as some stoics call it, like internalizing your goals and kind of like realizing what part can I do within, say, in jujitsu, like how, how can I give my best without knowing who's going to win because the other person is not in my control. Like he's going to do whatever he's going to do and I can't control yeah. that. But you can control like your own actions and especially your reactions to, if, say, if you lose or things like that. So that's really awesome. Um, and just yeah, like, that's really important. The, um, the reaction mm -hmm. to the loss, I think what you just going about what you said, yeah. that's really important because there's a, there's a lot of people. Um, and a lot of the time you can tell right. and they'll come in and they'll get beat a lot. Um, and you can tell by their reaction to the loss, whether they will continue. Right. And normally you don't, you don't see them very often <laughs> or they just quit altogether because right. it's difficult. It's, I think it's part of human nature. It's difficult to do with loss. No one wants to lose. Um, but putting, and I think that's part of the ego question as well, putting your ego aside and accepting the fact that some things you will not get, you will not get right. We're not, um, we're not robots. Uh, we make mistakes and we're not perfect. Um, and when you're not perfect and you make mistakes, things won't go your way all the time and accepting the fact that we will make mistakes and we will, um, we will lose certain things like in sparring, um, and how you react to that loss is really important. Right. No, that's crazy. And then, uh, I mean, trying to connect here, like a few of the story concepts, like I, we've covered a bit of, um, uh, the ketamine of control, negative visualization and, mm -hmm. Of course, you know this one, but Memento Mori is actually probably my favorite one. And mm -hmm. I, I love how you said it uh, on, for example, like losing a, losing a match of whatever you do, uh, you do realize that things aren't as bad. Or, or when you said about like uh, visualizing worst case scenarios, like it's still not the worst thing and I can probably overcome it. And it's because of failure that I'm going to grow. Uh, I love Memento Mori as a remember you're going to die practice that in the big scheme of things, probably the things that really get you anxious or get you worried are still not the worst in the face of like death, like death is going to come mm -hmm. to all of us. And we need to recognize that and understand that whatever we do, we should remember that if it's not serving us as good people, like if, if this is not going to be my, if this is going to be my last day, like is, is a day worth living? Like what are your thoughts on Memento Mori? How do you see it? And any, any personal philosophies on it? Yeah, I think it's, it, I, for me, it's um, an extension of yeah. negative visualization. Definitely. And I think um, basically the, the, the reminder that you will die, one day you will die. I think it puts things into perspective because if, if you really think about it, a lot of people, a lot of what people complain about these days, especially in the West, yeah. is a lot of it's, it's not meaningless because people feel things for certain reasons, but it's maybe the reaction is an overreaction right. because eventually you won't be here. So I'm sure there's things that you can be doing. Um, like a lot of people need downtime, people need to relax and people mm -hmm. need to chill out. But when that becomes excessive and you just spend all the time on the sofa or you spend <laughs> all the time or your time drinking or whatever, um, maybe in 80 years, 90 years, the way I like to think about it is 
if I am 90 and I'm looking back on my life, right. what are the things that I'm not doing today that I'll regret when I'm 90? Well said. Yeah. Um, so, for example, with work, um, there's there's a lot of pressure in in um, a lot of people's occupations to do more work, work more hours, um, right. get that promotion, keep on going up, 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 up. But if the work is isn't valuable or doesn't add anything or doesn't benefit um, the world around you, will you look back on that and think it a waste of time? Could you have spent more time with your family, for example? What regrets will you have when you're looking back in your life and maybe you don't have so many months or years left? Um, so that's how I like to use that that quote or that concept. Right. Oh, that's great. I love it. And like you're basically kind of thinking of Memento Mori and, and all these, I don't know, like not wasting time and living a virtuous life as the, as the Stoics would call it. Uh, mm. I think it's very important to realize like how can I make this day worth living or how, how can I make sure that I'm not wasting my time? Like and you said, leisure, like spending your, your day in the sofa because it is comfortable sometimes and you kind of feel like doing it's it. comfortable when it's, easy. <laughs> it's pretty easy and, and you get really used to it and it becomes a habit so no that's crazy like how how do you think about like what what do you think is a good way of kind of like leisure kind of like spending the the time because the stoics do recognize that you kind of need like time to relax and apart from from your studies and, and from your work like what do you think is something worth doing for relaxation and for leisure yeah that's a good question um to be honest i think it's quite a personal question right because um i i don't think there is a right answer there's probably better answers than others yeah. so um for example sitting on the sofa all day every day probably isn't probably the best answer to that right. question but i think it, it depends on the individual um but for me personally i try to balance leisure time so for example um for my body, I've got um, the gym. Mm. I mentioned uh, jiu-jitsu. I, every year I do um, obstacle endurance races, awesome. um, like Tough Mudder, for example. In the UK, we have, a, we have one called Tough Mudder. Mm. Um, and every year I try and go snowboarding as well. Nice. Um, for my mind, I've got um, programming as a hobby. Um, I've got reading. I try and read um, as much as possible, fiction and non-fiction. Um, just to get a better understanding of basically everything around me. So like reading um, physics, psychology, philosophy, all these different things. Um, and also a little bit of guitar as well. And then if I, if I really need to chill out, if, I'd have, if I've had a stressful day, um, then I, I like playing video games with my friends. Um, we put our headsets on and jump on the PlayStation for an hour or two. Um, and that, that's maybe maybe not the most productive thing in the world, but, <laughs> but still, I feel like those yeah. things. Yeah, everyone's got their thing like that, or whether it's Netflix or uh, watching YouTube or whatever, or listening to podcasts or anything like that. Um, everything, everyone has their thing to just recharge, and I think that's important to stop yourself getting burnt out. Because on the on the flip side of this, there's also the risk that um, people overwork and burn themselves out. Uh, don't get enough sleep, for example, sacrifice their diet because they're, they're always on the move, so they're not eating very well. Um, and they're not getting the the um, the rest and rejuvenation that they, they might need. Um, so I think it's a balance for me. Right. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And yeah, like from what I hear, you have a lot of hobbies and, <laughs> and things that you love doing. Uh, 
uh, like for me, it's like the same. I try to get involved with as many hobbies as I can, like guitar as well. I skateboard, longboard, like those kind of things. And and I try to keep things very kind of like personal, like hobbies that I, I know I can rely on myself to kind of like be satisfied with them. But I think things like video games with your friends, those things are also important and like surrounding yourself with people that you spend good time with. Um, yeah. I think that's really good. And I don't know, like studying philosophy, I think it's kind of like inevitable to try to focus on things that are somehow positive to your, to your life. And I think a lot of people's definition of leisure is either going out or alcohol or a lot of those things. And I find myself judging that a lot. I don't know about you. I would mm -hmm. like to know what you think on that, like judging other people for the way they spend their time. Yeah, I, to be honest, I used to do that a lot more than I do now. Um, but as I said, it's, it's, it's quite personal what people do with their own time. And if their downtime is going out and getting drunk, for example, yeah. then yeah, that's cool. Like, as long as I think um, for me, I'd say as long as it's not damaging yourself or people around you, then yeah, go for it, go for it, whatever is right for you. Um, that in certain situations, if there's a specific situation that I'm looking at, and maybe yeah, I think someone's doing it too much, but I think I try and I try and understand with that person why they feel the need to do that. Because if someone is going out and getting drunk a lot, it's probably trying to cover up something else. To be honest, yeah. So I try and um, I'm, I think I'm a lot more understanding now than I was maybe five or ten years ago. Yeah, that's my where, age. Now. Uh, yeah, that's I, where I am right now. <laughs> where I probably would judge people a bit too much. Yeah, I think. Why, where I find myself judging people these days is um, this cultural trend of uh, a lot of people try and buy stuff right. to make to make themselves look um, wealthy or well off or high status. And I, I think I, I, these days, although it's the same kind of thing, that I try and understand why they do it. But I think these days I find myself judging people that, and a lot of people make themselves financially unstable while trying in a in a um in an effort to make themselves look rich and i just i really don't understand that it's it's really counterintuitive to me and it's, it's quite ironic as well right but again i try and understand it a bit more these days but i do find myself judging if i am if i do judge it's probably in uh, those kinds of situations especially when people just talk about what they've got mm -hmm. because for me the content of your character is far more important than the content content of your pocket or your wallet yeah i love it i love it and uh i mean yeah definitely talking about like the way you perceive the things that you own your possessions or like material stuff like i found i found a really cool quote from your instagram account one that you did says ryan so if you don't mind i would love to read it and for you to explain it afterwards which one's that, sorry? Uh, I'll, I'll read it to you right now. Like, it's, it's a really okay, cool yeah, one sure. that you have, you have on Instagram. Okay, quote, Being rich is unique to everyone. Some find wealth in money, some in family, and others in knowledge. Don't judge another man's wealth because he doesn't look wealthy. Orion. <laughs> How, yeah, man. <laughs> I, I love it, man. I loved it, and I wanted you to explain it because I think it's such a great quote. Yeah, sure. Um, I think I wrote that. that kept, I was thinking about, um, I don't know what I was thinking about at the time, but it was just before bed. <laughs> And I just scrolled it down on my phone, I think, because right. um, my memory is not so good. So I, uh, I have to write things down. And I've, I've got a load of notes in front of me right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that quote, I think um, there's another quote, which is quite similar, which I think is something along the lines of uh, some people are so poor, mm. all they have is money. <laughs> yeah. 
And yeah. it's it's some it's along those same lines because I think um so something personal for me, I have a really shit car. <laughs> and I'm known within my friends for having a really shit car. And it's it's the subject of jokes a lot of the time, which doesn't bother me because I don't joke, I don't um I don't like validate myself through my car, so it's, it really doesn't bother me. Um and I I take the I take the, uh, the piss out of it a lot as well. I make jokes about it. <laughs> Um, so I think for me that that came to me because I was thinking about how um, when people seem to be poor, um, financially poor, um, I think a lot of people can tend to act superior or act like um, they are better than these people, maybe with no money, um, with a with a, a crap car, doesn't have nice clothes, doesn't have jewelry and things like that. Mm. Um, but in many cases, these people without those things have a much stronger and I think um, much more virtuous character than some of these people with a lot of money who like flashing it about. And it was the it was the distinction between these two frames of mind that I think is quite important and um, something that I try and think about a lot these days um, because there are people in certain areas of the world where, um, for example, um, I traveled to Mongolia um, many years ago and there's a lot of um, nomads in Mongolia. So they basically travel around um, the grasslands um, with their with their livestock. They don't stay in one place for too long. They pack up the, all of their uh, tents and their yurts and all of their belongings and they'll move. And, um, and these people, they didn't, all they had was like basically what they carried around with them. They didn't really have that much compared to um, people in the Western world. But they were so friendly, man. They would, they invite you into their, their, uh, their home, They'd give you food. They'd share what they had with you. And these are people that don't have as much as some people in the West have, but they're willing to share it um, because that's that's their that's their character. But you get people with a lot of wealth these days um, that are not willing to share it. And it's it's the it's the distinction between these two things. So I think that quote is basically money isn't wealth. Right. Yeah. In in all in all cases, of course, it's financial wealth, but I think in the broader sense of wealth, I think um, strength of character is, is much more important because strength of character can't be taken away from you. Someone can lose all their money and they can lose, they can crash their car, they can become bankrupt. And then all they've got is basically the the person they were when they had that money. Um, but if, if there's a person with a strong character, they could lose all their belongings. They'll still have that character. I think that's quite an important distinction. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Like placing the value in the things that are within, like valuing your own wisdom or your knowledge or the person you mm. want to be. No, I love it. Um, I, I have a really cool quote uh, from the minimalists. I don't know if you heard of them. I think they're pretty stoic in what they do. It's like uh, okay, no, I've not heard of them. Yeah, it's like there's there's a couple of guys. I'll I'll send you the link to one of their really cool documentaries. But it's on oh, cheers, man. Yeah, on how how you value things, like getting rid of the useless, as as in physical possessions, you know, like material stuff and placing the value or like dedicating your time to the things that are more worth it, like uh, human relationships, like uh, health, uh, contribution to this world, like growth. And by that, they try to declutter a lot, like uh, try to own less things, like like you said, of this community that are very, they seem very unattached from their stuff. And mm -hmm. I have a really cool quote from them and I want you to I want to see what you think about it. So here goes. Yeah, no worries. Awesome. So good. 
love people and use things because the opposite never works. What do you think? Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Yeah, I mean, it's along the same, yeah. I think it's along a similar kind of route as, as the previous quote. Yeah. Um, because I think the risk is when you love things, things have a tendency to be transient. So if someone, I don't know, for, for example, if you fill your house with things or um, all you do is just spend money on things and things. And to be honest, one of the risks with that is you always need more things to mm. continue that that satisfaction, that happiness. And you need more expensive things and more expensive things and more expensive things. Yeah. But those things can be, as I said before, can be taken away. So someone can come into your house and they can rob you. They can take your car, they can take your TV, they can take your jewelry, they can take all your nice clothes, your nice suits. If, I imagine these people will buy suits and nice shoes and they'll, they'll take all of that stuff. Um, but I think if your, um, if your love is focused on things, which are transient. And again, these things, if we go back to the dichotomy of control, these things are not inside your control. You, you may have the perception that you own them, but they can, they can be taken away very easily. Um, I think if you use things, as the quote says, and love people, those relationships will do much, much better for you. Um, because I think when you show love to people rather than try and use them, that's returned. And I think that can be a, a massive source of satisfaction, especially compared to the satisfaction of, uh, of things, which um, I personally think is, um, is not, it's not a sustainable form of happiness because I think you always need more and more and more and more. Yeah. No, yeah, that, that's awesome. Like it's, It's like owning the things, own, not letting the things own you. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the um, this whole thing about like loving the people, like instead of loving the things. I when I first met you, I asked you like, what were your thoughts on romantic relationships? Because it's a topic that oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that I think the Stoics really don't talk about mainly because of the time they were living in. Like, uh, it was a very different era. And it was, yeah. I think not a lot of people have like developed like, you know, like romantic relationships from a stoic approach. But to be honest, like I've asked a few people and your opinion, like what your analogy was really cool. Mm -hmm. And I would love for you to explain it. So if we can do that, that'd be awesome. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, well, first off, I think to be honest, a lot of um, stoic text didn't touch on it because women um, didn't have a very good position. Yeah in those times so i think these days because of um all the equality that's and of course the equality that should be there um it's it's kind of changed how we think about things but um yeah so i think i try to remember what i said i basically said it was an analogy of um, a flower wasn't it yeah, yeah flower. so when if you were to come across a flower um you can do two things the first thing you can do is you can you can think that oh that's that's a beautiful flower I'll pick it, um, but picking it is, is quite a selfish thing to do in in this case because, yeah, you can take it or you can carry it around with you. You can show it off and it's nice and you basically control it. Yeah. Um, or you can leave it in the ground and let it grow. And that's a much, um, that's a much more mutually beneficial thing to do because you continue to appreciate the flower, but you're not controlling it. You're basically 
Um, and if you were to do the best thing for both of you, you provide the conditions in which you can grow. You'd um, maximize the, the conditions in which you can grow. Yeah. So it's left planted, its roots can grow strong, um, you can continue to appreciate it, and you haven't picked up the flower to a point where it will it, basically, ultimately, it will die. Um, so I think it's that mutual respect between um, both partners in a in any romantic relationship, um, respecting the fact that you can't just um, pick the flower and try and control it. Well, you can actually, and some people will allow that, um, and they will allow themselves to be picked, which I I would recommend against, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I think in a in a successful in a healthy relationship, um, that that respect. Um, is important right yeah kind of kind of like a mutual allowance to let the other grow and hopefully contribute contribute to the growth i think it's good yeah, i love yeah, it sure. yeah and and i think um mm-hmm. just to add to that when i say so you, you leave the flower you leave the flower planted and try and maximize the conditions in which it can grow um those conditions could be listening more trying to be more understanding yeah. um not trying to control someone else and, and just basically let them be their own person and enjoying your time. Right. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I also wanted to show you that I'm going to find the the, um, the the extract from that, but I was telling you that it's similar to this book called The Little Prince, which is from... Yeah, yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah, I'll, I'll show you because uh, it's kind of like this relationship of of a little prince <laughs> that has to like a flower that is planted in his planet, like he's kind of like from another world. And the relationship yeah. he has to the flower is a bit similar. Like a, I, I really love the way you explain it, but oh, I think cool. I think a lot of people would relate a bit to that because, yeah, I'll, I'll show you. It's really cool. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you. Awesome. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I wanted to ask you like a, a question, a cool question to to conclude the the interview. Um, <laughs> I, I I really appreciate all the time you invested in this man. I really love all the stuff. Yeah, no worries. Man. I'm happy to. I love talking about this stuff, mate. Yeah, so no, yeah. don't worry. About it. <laughs> yeah, no. Once once this podcast grows a bit more, I would love to have you back. Like I'm just starting yeah. near the first interview, yeah, by sure. the way. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, okay. Here here it goes. Um, if you could ask one question to one of the ancient Stoics, what would you ask? Who would it be, and and what what would you ask? Good question. Um, I would ask Marcus Aurelius right. because I think he had the most responsibility yeah. and I think he had probably the most experience. Yeah. And I would ask him um, if he could tell 20-year-old Marcus Aurelius hmm. and if you could give him one piece of advice, what would, what would he give himself? <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, what what do you think he would say? Any any guesses? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, that that is taking a bit too far. Like I have no idea. Yeah, um, I don't know. It, I, I imagine it would be something along along the lines of getting um, getting on better with other people. Right. I, I think it would be related to people. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it would be related to um, any of the other topics that he talked about because I think. To, I think a lot of his focus uh, towards the end of his life was um, understanding um, and basically living the best he could with the people around him. Right. But yeah, I, don't, <laughs> I, I have no idea what he'd say. I'd love to know. <laughs> no, no, great, great answer. I loved it. Uh, okay, so 
Uh, where can people find you? Like, uh, give, give us the info. I'll link it all in the show notes. Yeah, sure. Um, so on Instagram, I'm Orion underscore philosophy. Yeah. On Facebook, um, it's Orion philosophy for life, um, which is the full full name of it. And I'll also be bringing a, a website out quite soon um, where people can reach me. But all of the links in there will be in the Instagram and the Facebook. Perfect. Yeah, let me know and I'll, I'll share it all. <laughs> but yes, man, thank you. No, thank you so much for your time, man. It's been amazing and and I really would love to have you back once once this podcast grows a bit more. And yeah, I'd love to come back. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you for everything you said and I really appreciate your time. No problem. Thank you, mate. Okay. So that was it. I really hope you enjoyed what is this podcast first interview with Tobias Weaver. I want to thank him again for all the time he invested on this interview and for all the wisdom he shared on this podcast. So definitely go check out his work. Links in the show notes. I really appreciate everyone, everyone of you who listened to this interview. And let me know what you think. Message me anytime at mementothestoics at gmail.com. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Memento the Stoics. Bye.